What's up, everybody? I'm recording this intro real quick on my iPhone, so pardon the uh, audio quality. About four weeks ago, I recorded this podcast with Tom Casal, what you're about to hear. And the reason that we jumped on the mics was I decided about a month ago that breathwork would be the first pillar that we started on for the Summits Academy. So I started collecting all the information that I could. I got together with Tom, started sharing with him, and we decided to record the conversation, not even necessarily to put it out. So it's pretty cool that since I set that intention about a month ago, that my wife, six months before that, had booked this workshop for breath work and this breath circle with Tiffany Kern. So it's it's been all about breath at Summis, all about uh, different types of breathing techniques and things like that the past four to six weeks. So I'm real excited to take a deep dive into this. The, the information in this is, is super deep. It's all over the place. It's, uh, it's advanced. It's cool. I'm very excited to take this information that I did with Tom. This is probably one of many that we'll record right now. Like I said, we weren't even necessarily going to put this out, but I think the information is so cool. It's great for everyone to hear. And I look forward to putting together the curriculum and having something to offer. So I hope you guys enjoy. And this is Breathwork with Tom Casal and myself. Thanks so much. This is Gabriel Masudi, and you're listening to Learn, Unlearn, Optimize. Bad breath, breath on it. <laughs> You'll know which mic's yours when you're done. <laughs> All right, brother. Tom, break down breath for me, man. All right. So there's there's three layers to everything. Um, so the breath layer is the subtle body layer. It's the mind-heart layer. But on a material level, the diaphragm is the primary muscle of respiration. So on a material level, when you breathe on the inhales the diaphragm engages and it presses down and it flattens out. And that's how you draw the atmosphere into your lungs. You almost like you just create a pressure shift by engaging the diaphragm and that enables the atmosphere to go into your lungs. So the inhale engaging the diaphragm, that's more associated with sympathetic autonomic nervous system response. So when you get really frightened or terrified or you have to, you know, you got it. Stuff's going wrong. You get startled. You're going to inhale. And if you get stuck on the inhale, you get stuck in a sympathetic nervous system response of fight, flight, or freeze. So you have to learn how to exhale as well. So the exhale releases the diaphragm. And when you exhale and release the diaphragm, the diaphragm redomes, so it ascends. So on the inhales, the diaphragm descends and flattens out. That's more associated with sympathetic nervous system response, fight, flight, or freeze. The exhale releases the diaphragm and the diaphragm redomes and the exhale is more associated with rest, digest, repose, and heal. So that's more parasympathetic autonomic nervous system response. So that's the breath on a material level. 
on a material level, that's what you're doing when you breathe. You inhale, the diaphragm engages, you draw atmosphere into your lungs, it stimulates sympathetic autonomic nervous system response a little bit. And then on the exhales, the diaphragm releases, it redomes, and that stimulates more parasympathetic autonomic nervous system response. What's really critical about the breath on a physical level as well is when you get stuck on the inhale, you have an artery, a vein, and a lymph tube going right through your diaphragm. So if you get stuck on the inhale from your stressful job or your stressful life, what happens is, is the, the artery is a really strong tube. It's really muscular. So the artery will continue to pump blood, but the vein and the lymph tube are really weak. So when that diaphragm gets locked, engaged from stress, decreases the flow through the lymph tube and through the vein that's going through the diaphragm. So you're creating back pressure in your abdomen all the way down to your legs. You're not getting the venous return back to the heart. So the vein and the lymph are the drains and the artery is the pump. So the blood is going in, but you're not getting the drain out. So you're not draining the swamp like some people like to say. So really learning how to exhale and learning how to release your diaphragm is critical to shifting your nervous system response to get you more into that rest, digest, repose, and heal outflow of the autonomic nervous system and less in that fight, flight, or freeze outflow. And ideally, in a perfect world, we would spend 20% of our day fighting and flighting and 80% of our day resting and digesting, but we got that all backwards. We spent 80% of our day in sympathetic outflow and only 20% of our day in a parasympathetic outflow. And that's why stress kills. Everybody knows that now that's like science, like being too stressed out on a physical level is really bad for you. It's going to mess you up, but That's part of what's happening when you get super stressed out. The diaphragm gets stuck on the inhale. You can't breathe properly. It cuts off the drainage through the lymph and the vein. And then you get all this back pressure in your abdominal organs all the way down, even below your abdominal organs into your pelvis and all the way down to your feet. You're getting inhibited drainage. Um, Lymph drainage? Yeah, lymph and vein and venous return. So you're getting less... Which is de- the whole endocrine system. Is that Circulatory. What it's affecting right. the endocrine system as well. Absolutely. Because of the stress, uh-huh. that's going to affect your, 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 your endocrine system as well. But just on a circulatory level, you're getting less deoxygenated blood back to the heart. You're getting less lymph flow back to the thoracic duct where all that lymph drains into the heart and into the liver and the, the lymph is detoxifying. It's getting all the catabolic waste and all the proteins and all like the cell, the cell, um, the cellular waste. I was going to say cellular poop, but I'll be a little bit more technical. (laughs) The cellular waste. That's what that lymphatic fluid is moving. And I've read, I don't know if this is hundred percent true, but I've read that you have three times more lymphatic fluid in your body than actual blood. Yeah. So the lymphatic fluid, you got a lot of lymph fluid. And if it's not 
draining properly, then you're going to have a buildup of cellular waste, mm-hmm. proteins, uh, catabolic waste, whatever you want to call it. And um, that's never good for life. Like the t- it starts to get, you get back pressure, you get less drainage, you get swampy, like the tissue gets swampy. Stagnant water. Yeah, there's stagnant water. There's no drainage, you know. I heard, um, I, I read this book, I believe it's called The Lymphatic System, like the Ocean of Health. Yeah. And because that sounds cool, because um, I had my experience with cancer, yeah, and uh, so I got fascinated with it. Was I had um, stage two Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, was what I had experience with, and so I got like fascinated with the lymphatic system. Yeah. That's like, well, I wanted to share this information together to see like yeah. what, what overlapped together, so we could organize it, you know, mm-hmm. and like the like I broke the most simplistic way that. I interpreted it, Tommy, is that the heart like pumps the blood. And if you like don't have good breath work, then you don't pump your lymphatic system. Like the right. breath is the pump for the lymph. Right. And so if you don't breathe, then everything you just said, you have stagnant, like your, your filtration doesn't work. Yeah. And the reason why the breath is so important is exactly <clears throat> that reason. If, when you exhale and you release your diaphragm, you're, release, you're releasing the pressure on those tubes that go through the diaphragm. Yeah. Therefore, you'll increase lymphatic and venous drainage. So that's really huge. Movement is also another pump. And breath is movement, right? right. When you breathe, you're moving. So right. breath, movement, that's how you move that lymphatic fluid. And um, yeah, another teacher just taught us how you know, the basis of hydrodynamics, there's 60,000 miles of tubes in your body. And all that fluid is creating friction on that tube wall. So the heart actually isn't strong enough to pump all that fluid through your veins and your arteries. What he was saying is that the arteries and veins are actually doing this expansion and contraction as well to help the heart pump the fluid. Because the heart... 60,000 miles of tubes. That's a lot of friction. The, the, the fluid on the outer, the fluid closer to the wall of the tube is going to flow slower than the fluid in the middle of the tube. Yeah. So 60,000 miles is like your heart is nowhere near strong enough to pump fluid through 60,000 miles of tubes. So your whole body is doing this little pulsation, this little expansion and contraction, this little ebb and ebb and flow Mm -hmm. this little this little dance you know so yeah that's that's a big part of the breath on a material level is getting that exhale going releasing that diaphragm to decrease the back pressure in the abdominal (coughs) pelvis region all the way down to your legs and your extremities um and really focus on exhaling and releasing the diaphragm is massive. Most people try to breathe and they 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 inhale, but you really got to exhale or release that diaphragm, and that's like really important. Also, and that's going to affect your autonomic nervous system, which is going to affect your endocrine system, which is going to get your you know your thyroid and your adrenal glands communicating better, and the pituitary gland and the penile gland. I can't even say that word. You know, yeah, it's gonna affect you on a, on a 
holistic level. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all connected. It's all yeah, connected. Totally. Tom, what, what, what's the, um, you said earlier, was it Venus return? No return. Yeah. What, what did you mean by that? Venus return is the Venus system. The veins have deoxygenated blood. The arteries have oxygenated blood. So the Venus system is carrying the deoxygenated blood. So all the blood and lymph from your diaphragm down is going right through a little tube in the diaphragm. And so the venous return from the whole lower half of your body goes through the diaphragm. So that deoxygenated blood from the lower half of your body is going through that little space. And if you're stuck on the inhale and your diaphragm is locked engaged, Mm -hmm. it's going to cut off the circulation through the diaphragm, through that venous system. So you're getting less deoxygenated blood back to the heart. The hearts and all the other tubes are having to work harder to get that deoxygenated blood back to the heart, back to the lungs, where it can be reoxygenated and pumped it's back like a, out. It's like your, a boiler not, or a heating system not working properly. It's yeah. like, like the calibration's off and, or, right. or like the circulatory system on a pool filter. Like it's not getting back yeah, into... Yeah, something's stuck. Yeah. You got a clog in one of your, in one of your drains. And it's literally mechanics. Yeah. This is, this is like hydromechanics. Hydro, hydrodynamic yeah. thing going on. It's thermodynamics. It's hydrodynamics. It's all stuff that's above my pay grade to talk about. Tommy, what did you now? So you said this is on a material level. Material yeah. meaning body, physical. Yeah. Physical, gross, level. What yeah, are the other levels? level. And then there's the subtle body. So the breath body is overly encoded subtle body. So there's material, subtle, and sublime layers of consciousness. The breath layer is the subtle layer, but it has a material component and a sublime component as well. All these, the sublime layer has a subtle and material layer. It's just overly encoded sublime. And the material layer is overly encoded material, but it also has a subtle and a sublime layer. So all each layer has the other two layers in it just to a lesser degree. So the breath body on a metaphoric level is the subtle body. It's the mind heart layer of awareness. And that's what mantra means. Mantra per my teacher, mantra means manas traverses to the manas. And it's the same word for heart and mind because they're inseparable. So the heart and the mind, as we breathe, we deepen the connection between heart and mind. On a, not, on a material level. On a subtle level. On a subtle level. Yeah. And material. I mean, you know what I mean? This yeah, gets yeah. all, it's all co-mingled. I know there's no, so there's no like hard line in the sand. Yeah. It's, I'm just it's trying all, to hang on right yeah, now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> trying to follow. It's all, it's all co-mingled. So, so, on, on, so the subtle, can you break down one more time the subtle level again, Tom? Yeah, the subtle body is the mind-heart layer. It's the breath layer of the body. So as the breath deepens, the manas traverses into the manas. So it's the mantra layer. All these people that love doing kirtan and stuff like that, that's that's all great. They're connecting the manas to the manas. That's why people dig on kirtan so much because you get that experience of mind-heart connection. Now is that from the singing and breathing? Is it the breathing that's activated from singing? Totally. And you talked about something where singing releases oxytocin, right? You get that love, that love hormone flowing through the the blood. It's all from the vibration 
It's all from the breath. And if you notice, you're exhaling really deeply when you sing, you know, so you're getting that diaphragm release as you're exhaling, hitting your notes or whatever. And then, you know, you got to inhale, but then you exhale real slow. Right. You take like quicker inhales and slower exhales. That's you figure out how to get that breath in so much so that you can sustain a note longer. Right. And that, yeah, that's, that's, that's breath control. I mean, that's pranayama. Like that's, that, that is. Breath participation. I don't even want to call it breath control, but it's breath participation because I don't even, I'm not a big control guy. So you deepen your breath participation. But yeah, so just on a yoga level, the breath body is the sukshma rupa, which is the subtle form, the subtle wave of beauty, the manas to the manas, the mantra layer. So as that breath deepens, the mind-heart connection deepens on a subtle layer and then so that's all mantra then on the sublime layer breaths deepening you're disengaging the diaphragm you're kicking in more parasympathetic outflow so you're getting more rest digest repose and heal you're oxygenating your system you're thinning your blood out a little bit you're getting the lymph fluid flowing the venous return back to the heart and that is intoxicating like you get high, you get intoxicated. Oxygenation, right? Yeah, you, you just, I mean, all of it, moving your body, breathing deeply. The whole package just. It's all for intoxication. Yeah. It's all to get you high. That's all. But in a life affirming, good kind of way, you know what I mean? It's, you know, because. Like my teacher always says, whirling gets their hurt in ways that pleases them. Yogi, wait, I fucked that up. Yogis get their hurt in ways that pleases them. Whirlings get their pleasure in ways that hurts them. So interesting. With the breath, you're getting your hurt in ways that pleases you, and the yoga, and the moving, and the breathing. That's all hurt in ways that pleases you. Sitting at the bar, pounding a bunch of beers with your homies. Blowing some eight balls. Yeah, that's pleasure in ways that's hurting you. And both are intoxicating. You're going to get high regardless, whether you're just deepening your breath, sitting in a yoga class, doing meditation, that's going to get you high. But it's going to better your life. Right. It's it's like going to lengthen your life. Um, It's healthy. It's Yeah, it's healthy. You're getting more parasympathetic outflow decrease in sympathetic nervous system response like there's a whole you're shifting your body mm-hmm. and your endocrine system like all the systems of your body are being shifted for the better and then tom i don't know what, what was the third level it's the sublime layer so it's that soul layer and so i don't know if what i'm about to say fits into that third level you can tell me where it fits in but i'm big on when you take this shift and like you want to call it the law of attraction whatever you want to put it under but that I become an antenna or I'm always an antenna yeah, for attraction. You're changing your frequency. So I'm, yeah, we're changing the dials. I'm changing. You're going that. from like death metal <laughs> yeah. to like something a little sweeter yeah, or whatever. A, a lot sweeter. <laughs> yeah. Right? Whatever. Sorry for and, all the and, death metal lovers out <laughs> there, but you know, like it's going from like noise to like, like resonance, Yeah, you know, like something that sounds good. Well, 
I mean, I think feels good. What, what first came up and like death metal was one of the first things that came to my mind as far as analogy also, but because death was the first word. So forget if like you love death metal or whatever, <laughs> it's just like, it's if you're blowing lines and you're, and you're, yeah. and you're, and you're doing like meth right? and like death is coming. death, death is on the way. That's <laughs> yeah. like a really low frequency. That's yeah. probably not the healthiest for you or, or those around you. No, not at all. And then like when you, when you start to shift that frequency, even through your intake, uh, through your eyes, through yeah. breath, through your food, the et cetera, company et cetera. you're keeping. Yeah. All of your intake and you bring that, you're, you're shifting what you attract and you're shifting your frequency. Yeah. Um, change in the radio station. Now, where, where does that fit in Tommy for, for like the, the, the antenna analogy or is it, does it encompass all three, I guess, or is it, would you say? It's I, I would say that the frequency is more on that subtle layer. Okay. I would say, cause it's resonance, it's vibration, it's sound, right? I yeah. think frequency, I think sound, right? Yeah. So I, I'm thinking that that's more on that subtle body layer, you know, on that, you know, there, there's freaking radio frequencies <coughs> all around here, fly, and we don't see them. Getting zapped with Wi-Fi <laughs> yeah, right now, we're getting now, zapped with five Wi-Fi <laughs> right as we speak. Our phones are killing us right <laughs> as we're sitting here. <laughs> totally. Take it out of your pocket. Yeah. So that subtle body layer is like something you can't really see, but you you, you kind of feel it. You kind of feel the resonance. You kind of feel the vibration. It's like standing next to a speaker. Yeah. Or something, you know. Talk to me about the third layer, Tommy. Well, yeah, that, that sublime layer, that soul layer, it's intoxicating. So the sublime layer. Is it accessed through these two? Are they linear? No, I don't think. I mean, it could be linear or it could be nonlinear, you know? Yeah. Um, you can get to it through going through the material, through going yeah, through. Yeah, totally. Like so all three breath. are in each layer. Right. So each layer has all three, but it's overly encoded one. So the breath layer is overly encoded subtle body, but you have material and sublime layer in there as well. And then the gaze is where the soul layer is, if you ask me. And so that the eyes are the windows to the soul, right? So that light layer is that sublime layer, that soul layer. And that soul layer is your immortal side your unlimited side, your indestructible side. Like that's the part of you that's eternal. That's the part of you that's not subject to thought construct and all this other stuff that we got going on in the world. Not that I'm against thought construct or anything, but this whole world is a construct of thought. Like mm-hmm. this to- I'm totally buying that. Um, but each one has all three. So then the sublime layers, that soul layers, those soft eyes, the windows to your soul. Um, it's the self. So the self, I've been saying it for a few weeks, the self manifested a body to experience the beauty of life. It's all. So we're immortal mortals. The body is mortal, that material layer. The soul is immortal. The soul is unlimited. The body's limited. The soul is unconditioned. The body's conditioned. So the limited the unlimited chose limitation. The unconditioned chose conditionality. Uh, the immortal chose mortality to experience the beauty of life. That's one way of thinking about it. I loved what you were talking about today in class, um, like creating the filter, like the 
What did you say about with our eyes in the forest? Like, yeah, so when you soften your eyes. Is that the drist, is that a drishti gaze? Oh, they're all drishti. Okay. So whether your eyes are closed, open, or soft, it's all drishti, right? Okay. Um, when you open your eyes, you're meditating on the outer light, the light of the material world, right? So here's where they're all three encoded in each, right? So the outer light is the material world. The inner light is that soul layer, that sublime layer. And then the space between is where they all co-mingle. So the inner and the outer light, when you soften your eyes, those that inner and outer light co-mingle in the space between the eyelids. And you make a dissimilated light, a forest light. So it's all sit in the forest. It's shady. The light is dissimilated. You're not getting burned up by the sun. Diffused. Yeah, it's diffused. It's dissimilated. It's reflected and refracted. It's all, it's all uh, triangular. It's all... It's all fractally, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that's that space where the light commingles, the material and the sublime are commingling in the subtle. So the space between the eyelids is the subtle layer, the outer light is the material layer, the inner light is the sublime layer. But it's overly enco- it's overly encoded sublime, like that's. That light layer, that soul layer is overly encoded sublime, but it has all three. It's just overly encoded sublime, but the material and the subtle are there. So it's this triadic relationship that's going on. And then at the end of the class, you brought that back. And then you started talking about during Shavasana about like now you're on the other side of mortality. Yeah. So, right. So when you do Shavasana, you're unlimited, immortal, unconditioned. We're pretending like we don't have a body anymore, but we do have a body. This is all like make-believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when you do Shavasana, you're on the soul side. So you're overly encoded sublime. But it's not so make-believe, man, because like in Shavasana, I started like get really clear. Yeah. And I was feeling like, well, I'm almost... That frequency thing, I'm tapping into something a little bit different here. Fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> like, yeah. so we're still embodied. We're not dead. So we're not really fully sublime. We're still in this triadic relationship. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, but yeah, you go deep into that subject layer, deep into that soul layer. and You kind of just let everything go. You try to disengage your breath. You disengage the body. And you go deep into that immortal, unconditioned, and unlimited aspect of the of the self. But you're still in a body, so you still got all three. But you're you're on that sublime side, so you're overly encoded, indestructible. You're overly encoded, immortal. But Is, we're still mortal. You know, um, you ever so s- then so then after shavasana, when you come out, you come back to the mortal the limited and conditioned. And we're trying to get that mortal and immortal twisted into a relationship. So they're intimately connected. The body and the soul connected in the heart, the mind, heart, body, soul connection. It's, and then there's always plus ones. So three, you get the triad, then you get a plus one. It's all that kind of stuff. It's all very Hindu. Tommy, um, I have some stuff that I wrote down that I studied about breath. Can I share it with you? Yeah. I can like dig into it a little bit. I read the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. Yeah. I love, like, I think that's like a really great book. Oh, hell yeah. 
and um and so i started um to to map out like what what i thought was um oh, well, instead of wasting your time looking for it right now but basically from uh, so alternate nostril breathing yeah okay and so now you're stimulating the two primary nadis so, and the third yeah, so pranayama is the gap between the inhale and the exhale. Right, it's the space between. Pranayama is not inhale or exhale, it is retention. Would you agree with that? I would not disagree with the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. No, I'm not I'm not this is these are my notes. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm just like and so I I may Say have, that again? I said pran, pranayama is not inhale or exhale. It is reten- It is the actual retention, so the space between. I would go with that. Because so, you're always pausing. There's always these little pauses. Right. The so, pause is really important. And that's where like the seeds are planted, so to speak. Yeah. Right? Like, that's where the breath retention. Because I even said, you know, there's, I've heard it a bunch of times with different schools of thought and in different books, like even with um, Paramahamsa Yogananda. Uh, and um, he was like, you know, you don't want to learn like Kriya Yoga without like a teacher or that because, and then another teacher's like, dude, unless you start holding your, your the gap in between the breaths for like a minute, two or three, like yeah. you're not even, right. like you're probably going to be holding your, your shit for like 20 yeah. seconds. I mean, from that. my teacher's perspective, what I learned about pranayama, um, <coughs> the Shakti will never hurt you. So, you know, if you're doing two deeper retentions, you're just, you're just gonna have to breathe. Like, yeah, you might. Fr- I because I, I said some people have like gone insane. Yeah, so I'm kind of in between on that because my teachers like the Shakti would never hurt you, but if you're slightly off already, you stop. I mean, we live in such a stressful time. Yeah. This technology, like a thousand years ago, probably the pranayama, the the, the Shakti would never hurt you, but now Dude, it's you a said something in dangerous. class today too, Tom, about digestion and like being able like the intake of what we take in. And then being able to digest that. And then this is what we do through our filters, through our senses. We take in and you said it way cooler. Yeah. And then, so that's right. So that brings us back to the material layer of awareness. So on a material layer, on a physical layer, it's a B metaphor. We go out and we gather experience. Material, you know, even though this is all a thought construct, you go out and you, you have experiences, physical, material. I mean, it's all three, right? But on a gross level, you go out gathering experience. And as you gather experience, you have to digest your experience. So you got to contemplate that the digestion of the experience, I feel like, is more on a subtle layer. The subtle layer is where you digest that physical experience. And so what you were just talking about, about maybe like the possibility if it could, and the two schools of thought of like um, this pranayama driving you crazy. Like if you try to do like Kriya before without a teacher and all that. Yeah. um, Is I, I recently felt that myself. That's why I brought it up Mm -hmm. and it really resonated with me when you said it in class time, because that's what I was trying to articulate to you that about the input. There's so much coming in right now. Yeah. I feel like my quote unquote digestive system right isn't isn't able to even like yeah. start to process totally so if you're stuck on the inhale you got super stressful life 
yeah, you try to do pranayama, you could go crazy because you're not in the right headspace to release your diaphragm. And that, that's but even pranayama aside, just in the, there's so much coming in yeah. nowadays. Oh, totally. And, and that's even stopping us from normal breathing. And there's no drainage. That's what I'm saying. Right? Tom. It's all coming in and no it's time not to going create, out. no yeah. time to no, talk to you, no right. time to like, this totally. is the first time we've sat down and chopped it up in how long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it, I felt it, so stuck on like, I like literally such a great analogy. Like, I had a huge meal. Yeah. And I'm constipated. That's exactly And I haven't been is. able to get anything out. That's stuck on the inhale. Hence the pneumonia. Yeah, you're stuck on the inhale. <coughs> That's going to mess your digestion up because you're putting a lot of back pressure on all your abdominal organs and on your pelvis. And that is gonna pro- that's going to cause a problem with, yeah. with elimination. Yeah. Well, and, and, and so, but it's just, it showed up for me differently. So it was like, an, yeah. for me, I wasn't literally, to clarify, I wasn't like literally constipated or having yeah, stomach yeah. problems. Yeah. But the metaphor is so beautiful because I was having breath problems. Well, you were constipated in your breath. In my breath. Yeah. And I was constipated energetically. And you couldn't exhale. Couldn't exhale. <laughs> and I, I didn't have time to exhale and get anything that I was taking in out. Yeah, totally. And as an artist, it was killing me. Yeah, totally. you lost your drainage. Yes. <laughs> um, so I made this I made this little diagram that helped me, Tom. So you have like the inhale and then here's the space in between where's the pranayama and the retention and the exhale. Yeah. And then the longer the retention allows for a greater assimilation of prana and exchange of gases between cells, et cetera, uh, example, oxygen and carbon dioxide. Yeah. So from what I remember, like the longer that you can hold your breath, it lets the systems like the communication, the si- because if the exhale and the inhale is action, this is just my interpretation yeah. of it. What I want to talk to you about. Yeah. Then when you pause, everything's like, oh, okay. Now we now now there's like not now we're not running around. Now I can sit at the table on the mics and speak with you, Tom. Right. So now the cells can start to communicate. Yeah. And they can share what they need. I need we're gonna get rid of this. We're gonna give you more oxygen. We're gonna get rid of carbon dioxide. We're gonna get that drainage. Yeah, you're moving. getting that chemical exchange going on. And even just think about the yoga practice in general. We always pause. We pause in the pose, right? That's that pause. But you're breathing, obviously, when yeah. you're in the pose. But the pose paused. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you exhale into your triangle or whatever, but then you pause. That's kind of like the space between. Yeah. You know? It's like a it's like a fractile. It's like now we're spacing between the space. Yeah, there's all these little pauses. You know, it's the pause at the bottom of the breath or the pause at the top of the breath. There's all these little pauses. And then there's a pause in between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Tommy. Uh, nasal mucous membrane. And steady breath. Uh, this is what you were ta- you started talking about this today too. So it was crazy. Everything, a lot of the stuff I wanted to talk to you about, <laughs> you started breaking down about the back bends clearing your nostrils oh, and the yeah. forward folds clogging your nostrils, yeah, etc. Right. So, um, basically, that when you when you breathe in and you close your mouth and you're going in and out through the through the nose, right? So we have the idala and the pingala, the, yeah. the two sides, and then like the shishumna nadi down the center. Yep. And if I understand correctly, my interpretation is that you have like the bandhas are located, those locks, there's, they're, they're located in the, on the center shishumni, shishumna nadi. I believe so. And then, um, and then like the, the idala and the pingala, they crisscross yes. like snakes. Like So, yeah. So that's the chakras. 
the locks are a little different because there's those three locks, right? You right. The pelvic floor, you draw the navel in, and then the throat lock. And I'm sure they are associated with those three chakras as well. But the, the, so beyond the bandhas, just in general, the breath is undulating from the left and the right nostril, and it's weaving around the chakras. From a tantric perspective, that's kind of how it goes. But from a tantric perspective as well, when the chakras activate, they don't spin. That's more Hatha Yoga philosophy. In Tantra, when the chakras activate, they just vibrate. Okay. So it's just slightly different, but it's from that undulation of the breath weaving around the chakras, that weaving, that undulation, that commingling is what gets those chakras vibrating. The vibration, that's before when I paused, I was something I wanted to tell you and I went to grab in my book. Yeah. And we we're talking about the control of material through all the way to sublime. Yeah. Like through the three. Was uh, material subtle, subtle and sublime, sublime, right? Is that where you like you heard of those Tibetan monks or like the rainbow body? Have you seen those pictures? No. There's like Tibetan monks or like what they or or like what they refer to as the rainbow body. That's like what they try to get to. The some, ethereal body. Yeah, like and like where they make themselves disappear in pictures. Like, oh, you're not taking my picture, bro. Yeah. And like someone will snap a picture and they're just like a blur. That's above my pay grade. But what I'm saying, <laughs> I might too. But is do you believe? from what we're talking about, could we say for now with our limited ideas is that that's like control over those three bodies, like to get the, to the, the chakras vibrating to that. From a Hatha yoga perspective, it would be control from more of a weird tantric perspective. It would be more relationship. So you've kind of figured out that relationship. Okay. You kind of figured out how to co-mingle in a way that you could do really cool stuff. <laughs> alchemy? Yeah. I, I'm into alchemy. Yeah. Uh, some of my friends aren't so into alchemy and teachers and stuff, but uh, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm buying that stuff. I me think too. I believe in, uh, I believe in magic. You ever, me too. You ever <laughs> open up any of those like real alchemy books? I'm just like, well, I can't even wrap my head around yeah, it. Yeah, it's way. Yeah. I'm like, what? They're this, on a whole. This is in like another, and, maybe and, another 10 years. Yeah. And like, I, I buy that stuff. I know a lot of people that don't, but I, I'm, I'm on board with, um, there are things that are beyond our ability to explain and comprehend. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's just where I'm at my life <laughs> alchemy another whole nother conversation tom we'll get back to that Yeah, and i mean it's all alchemy yeah really like all of it is creation i mean we're just we're just not turning we're turning mercury into gold man and we're not really <laughs> it's alchemy but we're not really aware of like how we're doing it yeah and there's different levels of alchemy right yeah like there's the the level of alchemy where you can freaking turn yourself into a blur for a picture right <laughs> like that that's that's pretty heavy or lead to gold yeah yeah mercury to gold or Totally. So, Tom, when you, so, so these two, you got time? We're good? Let's go five more minutes. Okay, bro. So, these two nadis, when, when you, when you, Idala and the Pingala, right? Yeah. When you breathe in, right, they cross. And the way that I was taught was that, what's that, the cross? Yeah. yeah. Where they cross is the space between. So, so in the yoga texts, the, the tantric ones that I've read, they describe the breath as rubbing two sticks together to make a fire. So you're rubbing the sticks together to make the fire. That's 
the undulation of the breath. As the breath traverses the sashumna, there's friction there as they traverse. And that friction is what ignites the sashumna, that central channel. So from the left and the right nostrils, you breathe, the breath is doing this around the chakras, right? Yeah. And as the breath becomes three, as it weaves into that relationship, as it connects, it's making friction. And that friction is what ignites the sashumna. It's what activates the chakras. It starts to send it up the system. Well, I go up and down. Up and down. Most Hatha yoga traditions is all about up so and out. The visual, Tom, was like, you know, like a science beaker? Yeah. Like a glass, like a, with a ball on the bottom? Yeah. Like, and then and then the, the visual was that as you breathe in, I thought I had sketched it here, as you breathe in, that those come like two tubes. If we were forced air in the top of that beaker, that the tubes come down and around and like force the mercury up the center. Is that, is that like... I'm like, down with that. Like if this is the, yeah, I'm down with that. tube here, if that's the beaker. Yeah. And then like these things crisscross, whatever, but they end up at the bottom here. Right. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then when you, if you send air, like, and then we take, we take air and we hook a hose up here and a hose up here. And the more air we drive into the bottom, yeah. then these tubes force this mercury up the center of the beaker. Right. And this is, this is likened to the shishumna. That's nod. a pretty cool analogy of the breath right there. Thanks, man. Because it's going down and up. It's weird, right? So you inhale, the diaphragm goes down. Yeah. But the breath is going up. Right. Then as you exhale, the diaphragm goes up. But the breath is kind of going down. I don't know. I think I messed that up. But you can do it, you know. It goes both ways. can go both ways, totally. So, But that's a cool analogy. So, Tommy, the and then in there, within, within our nostrils, are... are um, our nerve, our nerve endings, and yeah. and those nerve endings connect directly to the hypothalamus in the brain. Oh, that's cool! I didn't know that. And the hypothalamus is um, is a steady message to the cognitive experience, emotional response, behavior, hormones, etc. Yeah. Parasympathetic, cool, sympathetic nervous system. So that's why if you can breathe in and out through the nose, you immediately manipulate the hypothalamus, which is then responsible for the sympathetic, the fight or flight. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Which is why it calms you down. Right. Cause mouth breathing is sympathetic. Nose breathing is more parasympathetic. So that's really cool. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. So steady. Uh, and then it gives steady electrical impulses back to the, back to the nervous system and then steady message down to the, to the main visceral organs. Yeah. I'm down. So I want to be respectful of your time. I got like three more pages <laughs> and that's been 40 minutes, but yeah. maybe well, we can keep moving on. Yeah. yeah? Well, we'll, Well, let's have another conversation. Cool, brother. Let's do this another time. Thanks, Tommy. Thank you, dude.